May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please. Let's face it, folks. By this time, every single year, we've all had just about enough of crowded malls, cranky salespeople, and the incessant bombardment of Christmas advertising. Nerves are getting a bit frayed, tempers are short, and frankly, many of us probably so weary that we simply want Christmas to be over. We've also probably had enough of the laments, uh, the longing for righteous leadership, and the hope for rescue from governmental tyranny reflected in the Psalms that we've listened to these past three weeks. Beautifully sung by our choir, though they may have been, these liturgical prayers challenge the world we inhabit today no less than they did the lives of those who first offered them more than 2,000 years ago. These particular Psalms of Advent have summoned us to the ministry of those who live in pain, in desolation, in despair. They've summoned our grief and tears amid the seeming hopelessness of a world gone mad with violence and war. And these prayers have summoned our outrage at the leaders and institutions which so frequently fail us and all whom they're pledged to serve. But even as important as these themes are reflected in the Psalms and important in the life of faith that we live, I think all of us can appreciate a desire to return to something more cheerful, to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, to look forward to the events of the next 10 days. But I think these psalms also remind us not just of what we long to experience, but how much things have not changed since they were written so many years ago. We're probably frustrated that politicians are still corrupt, governments still wage war, and people are still living in opulence while others are starving. This morning's psalm, which we just read a few moments ago, nails our emotions, both our exhaustion with the Advent season and the pre-Christmas frenzy, as well as our disappointment that the just and righteous ruler we long to govern our world has yet to emerge. Now, the psalm was written probably 700 years before Jesus' birth, following Assyria's invasion of northern Israel and the exile of its people. It begins with hope and praise. It calls on God, the shepherd of Israel, to stir up his might. It calls on God to let his face shine against Israel's enemies. And it calls on God to save and restore his people. But then, the psalmist turns downright cynical, turns hostile to the very God he praises. How long, O oh God, are you going to be angry with your people's prayers? 
How long, dear God, are you going to feed us with tears? And how long, Almighty One, are you going to let us be the laughingstock of our enemies? Thankfully, the psalmist eventually catches himself and realizes that ranting against God is not likely going to go very well and certainly will not invite the exercise of God's mercy and his rescue. You can almost imagine this psalmist in the midst of writing this prayer, sighing, slumping back in his chair, bowing his head yet one more time to pray for God's salvation and the restoration of Israel to its homeland. He's beleaguered. He's bereft. He's frustrated, and he has all but given up hope. I think this psalm perfectly summarizes where many of us are on this fourth Sunday, this final Sunday of Advent. Four weeks ago, we began the season with great hope and anticipation. More than a few of us vowed to make this year's Christmas experience different, even better. We promised to wrap up our shopping early, to avoid the last-minute craziness. And we looked forward to a joyful time with our friends and our family over the holiday season. Even as we engaged in our Sunday worship these past weeks, we got energized with God's clear promise to send a just and righteous ruler among us, a king, a messiah. But now, a month later, we, like the psalmist of old, have grown tired, cynical, and frustrated. Christmas preparations are ever bit as frustrating as they have been in previous years. And heaven knows the recent elections have done little to provide a national consensus on leadership or to resolve our distrust of the institutions with which govern us. No, dear friends, I think we find ourselves this morning in just the place that our psalmist knew well. We're weary of Advent's journey, frustrated by promises not yet realized, and just about have had enough of this. But today's psalm also speaks to something far more embedded in our common experience than simply the weariness of the season or our disappointment with leaders. The people to whom the psalmist spoke felt abandoned, even betrayed by God. And it just wasn't that he didn't answer their cries for mercy. God almost seemed to take some satisfaction in their suffering. Any number of philosophers and theologians, most notably St. John of the Cross, have expressed this universal experience and captured it in the phrase, a dark night of the soul. Those times in our lives where God seems absent, not to care about us, perhaps even ignores our prayers and our pleas. Most, if not all of us here this morning, also know what it feels like 
to sense that somehow we're being punished by God for our sins, for our failings, for our faithfulness. We know what it's like to be rejected by those who we love. We know what it's like to be hungry, frightened, and alone. And we know what it's like to have demons that control aspects of our lives. We pray. We cry out for mercy, and yet at times God's ears seem to be closed to our prayers. Israel's defeat at the hands of the Assyrians, the backdrop for today's psalm, was painful. Israel's exile was long, but God did hear their prayers. God rescued them. He restored them to their homeland. And just as the Israelites of old were invited in this morning's psalm to give it one more try, to lift our prayers to God, to imagine righteousness and justice in our world, and to look forward to God's rescue, God's salvation. No, it really is the final Sunday of Advent and Christmas has not yet arrived. But that does not mean that the prayers we've offered during this Advent season have not been heard. They've been heard in our care of those among us whose bodies and minds diminish daily. They've been heard as we give thanks at this table. And they've most certainly been heard as we join with the whole church in celebrating the newly ordained life of Leslie Scoopmeyer. Yet to be sure, not all of Advent's prayers have quite yet been answered. There's more work for you and me to do. So again this morning, let us pray together. Come. Lord Jesus.